0: This is TV Podcast Industries, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 5 of Penny Dreadful, Closer Than Sisters. Penny Faithful, this is TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Penny Dreadful season one, episode five, Closer Than Sisters. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, Penny Faithful. I am one of your other hosts, John. Welcome back on our rewatch of Penny Dreadful.
1: Yes, another fantastic and mesmerizing second half to Penny Dreadful. Um I think certainly for me there were things that I actually liked more um, in this rewatch. I think the first time I watched Penny Dreadful, I always thought that the second half of this season was actually slightly weaker than the first half. Right. Weirdly, uh, whether that was just because it delved more into just the relationships of Malcolm, Vanessa and Mina and their families. Yeah. I'm not too sure. But this time around, um, for sure, I think it absolutely is. As good and holds up with uh, the first part of that we we looked at there recently. Yeah. So um, yeah, this was this
0: was really good um, for me. Absolutely. Uh, just a reminder, the way that we're looking at these episodes, we're going to be releasing each episode individually on our Patreon feed over at patreon.com slash Industries. Then these big ones, these uh, t- these four or five episodes that we're talking about, we're releasing them in our main feed at tvpodcastindustries.com. We're going to be talking about all of the episodes from season one to season three. That's a total of 27 episodes. I'm going to have all of those out on our feeds By the time the fourth season of Penny Dreadful, Penny Dreadful City of Angels, is released at the end of April. Now, there's not supposed to be much connection between this series of Penny Dreadful and the new series. In fact, there is an actor that appears playing a different character in the new series. uh, And he was originally in the first series. Rory Kinnear is coming back for Penny Dreadful City of Angels, but playing a different character. We understand. So there's probably not going to be a huge amount of connections between these three seasons. But I suppose hopefully the vibe of the show will carry on as it's the same producers and the same people behind the show with John Logan, who was the showrunner for this show, also writing and creating the second show, uh, Penny Draft Facility of Angels. So uh, that's what we're hoping for is kind of get the, the vibe of these first three seasons so we can take that on with us into the next show.
1: Absolutely. I mean, certainly the the mythical horror folklore kind of element of this uh, looks like it will feed through uh, as well mm-hmm. i think with city of angels taking on a more mexican uh, north american uh, folklore mm-hmm. rather than that folklore um, being written about for the new industrial and mechanized and scientific age by those victorian novelists such as bram stoker mary shelley and oscar wilde mm-hmm. so This will be, I think, certainly the... The hub of it moving through uh, into then Penny Dreadful's
0: City of Angels. Exactly. Exactly. And as you probably know, if you've been listening to our previous four episodes, uh, these are much shorter episodes than our main ones. Usually we do, we do talk sometimes a little longer than we expect. Uh, so we're going to jump straight into our discussion of episode five, closer than sisters. This episode was directed by Koki Geidrick and it was written by showrunner John Logan, as have all the episodes been so far. John, do you want to tell us the synopsis for this episode?
1: Sure. Vanessa recalls her close friendship with Mina Harker. She remembers when Sir Malcolm returned from one of his many trips to Africa and regaled them with tales of cannibals and the like. One night after dinner while playing in the maze, Vanessa saw her mother and Sir Malcolm making love. It was a changing point in her life. On the night before Mina's marriage to Captain Branson, she seduces him leading to a cancelled wedding and the end of their friendship when Mina catches them in the act. Vanessa undergoes a lengthy period of madness and a horrific period in the insane asylum. An encounter with her enemy leads to the death of her mother and a visit from Mina, who desperately needs her help.
0: All about Vanessa this episode. Definitely. And I do remember watching this the first time. It's a weird one. I'm not a big fan of period dramas. There's a lot of them that used to be on the BBC, which were translated from Victoria, Victorian era novels, that kind of stuff that were on the BBC. And I remember when this episode first aired, it was filmed uh, in Ireland, as we've mentioned before, there's a lot of filming that went down in Ireland. It was filmed in a place I've probably been to hundreds of times, the the beach that, uh, that Vanessa and Mina meet on. We've been there quite a lot of times. And it just felt so standard costume drama at the beginning of the episode so unfortunately at the time when it was released I wasn't hugely captivated by this particular episode now looking back and I think you mentioned it earlier on John now looking back on this episode it's so formative and so important that you have an episode focusing on how Vanessa this mysterious of all mysterious characters in the show how she became what she is i suppose so uh so i think at the time because it was on tv and there were ad breaks in it and all that kind of stuff i think it probably watched about 15 minutes of it and went yeah maybe this episode isn't the greatest of episodes but now looking back and there's so much interesting stuff happened
1: definitely and and i think it it's not just vanessa and mina it's the ives family and it's the murray family and uh and everything uh, around that you know that there's a really nice moment um where uh, Vanessa talks about the gates of our two houses were always open until they weren't mm-hmm. you know there is a rupture that occurs between these two families that that their children play together their parents socialize together yeah. and there is a rupture here um, and I, I think that's really uh, really interesting and and I like how this flashback um in a sense starts with the the writing of letters of Vanessa to Mina mm-hmm. you know my dearest Mina my darling friend and it closes with um her sealing up the letter and putting it into a trunk with a whole range of other uh letters as well you know this flashback is as a written letter from Vanessa to Mina mm-hmm. which the letters are never posted. Yeah. Um. And I I found that really, uh, really uh, nicely done as well as it starts on the beach and ends on the beach. You know, at the beginning it's these children along. You know, Vanessa, Mina, as well as Peter, mm-hmm. running along the beach, carefree, fancy free in that sense. Um. And then by the end it is Vanessa. Um, after her period of madness and illness as as the doctors believe mm-hmm. walking along that beach being visited by an image of mina who is then kind of dragged away from her subconsciousness and yeah. um, so th- 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 there's some nice bookends to this episode which is ultimately a flashback episode yeah. uh, and i i really uh, really enjoyed just how the flashback was told as a written letter yeah. which for that time That was the main form of communication.
0: Absolutely. I like the framing of it as well, where she's opening the letter with Mina saying to her, I used to write these letters once a month to you, then maybe once a week, and now I'm writing them almost every day. There will come a time where I'm just writing letters over and over again, getting out my mind onto paper effectively. So, uh, And the point that she doesn't send them is kind of saying... Even though these are supposed to be letters for, to Mina apologising to her, they're actually just more for Vanessa to get out all of the things she wants to say to her best friend, uh, effectively. But the way we've been talking about these episodes is picking a big moment from each of the episodes to talk about them because there's so much that goes on in this show. We want to make sure that we discuss the big things that happened in each episode. So there's little things we're, we're not going to talk about. But John, do you want to give us the big thing that stood out to you about episode five from the show?
1: Yes, I will begin it with a quote. I whispered, and something listened mm-hmm. uh, says vanessa it, it It is the madness of Vanessa. This is what her family this is what the established medical um, community believe at this time that she is descending into madness mm-hmm. uh, that she you know she is sent to an insane asylum uh, for treatments and so on. I love that the medical practice at that time is that this is a mental illness with a, a physical manifestation mm-hmm. but ultimately as we move through this episode we realize that there is a curse um to vanessa that she's not simply having a breakdown because of these complex interactions that we've seen throughout this flashback between her and Mina, between her viewing Sir Malcolm and her wife uh, in the throes of passion within the maze, Mm -hmm. Um, it is that um, she is cursed. She has, um, in various acts, have whispered and has let something in. Something has listened to her and has effectively possessed her here. This is a, a foretelling, effectively, of what we see in Episode 7. Um, but it plays out as an illness, um, uh, as a mental illness mm-hmm. uh, within this episode. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed that contrast between what the outside is is seeing of her and what she is then experiencing. I think that's a really good uh, aspect to this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It seems like Vanessa's power is to kind of open the door between our world and the afterlife in some senses or whatever way you'd like to describe it she's praying to God for forgiveness for something but God's not listening anymore but somebody else is Is kind of the way it's, it's played she's kind of opening the gateway to a spirit world and letting in something else to possess her um, is what seems to happen earlier on in this episode so I think that's a really interesting way to play it you know they're trying to kind of talk about the religious aspects of Vanessa we see her praying many times uh, throughout this series but it seems like her fervor prayer is so powerful that it's opening the gateway
1: yeah absolutely and again it's what's the trigger point here is it um her sexual act with mina's um husband-to-be captain Mm -hmm. branson in in the conservatory or you know the moment where she kind of faints effectively uh, or blacks out is, is when that door uh, that gate between the two houses of, of ives uh, and murray mm. is shut in her face by sir malcolm after um everything has has come to light that, yeah. she, that captain branson has been sent off because he was effectively having sex with With Vanessa and Mina caught them so I really found the intensity of it all fascinating for a flashback and ultimately what we get after she's come out of the um the mental asylum which quick little sidestep onto that the the banning clinic um I just thought was beautifully shot that the starkness of the tiles the whiteness Everything about it, it really does play to your notion of what a insane or mental asylum is. Um, You know, people doing unspeakable things, in a sense, to a human being mm-hmm. out of medical practice. Um, and of the time, we have that hydrotherapy where she's effectively hosed down. Yeah. Which, um, certainly
0: I could use that sort of to wake up <laughs> in the morning. Um, after an ice bath and then the, then the, the, um. Hose being shot at her full blast Yeah, exactly. Wall. Yeah, like I'm, I was surprised an arm didn't fly off with the power of that hose. Like
1: definitely, and, and then you get this lobotomy where mm-hmm. they drill into her um, into her skull. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think if I remember rightly, so certainly back then the the medical notion was that they needed to relieve pressure mm-hmm. from the brain as well, I've and that's too. why they were kind of that was part of the reason uh, why they did it. Yeah. But ultimately, we get this first sense of a a deeper more um, sinister curse or or possession when uh, and i really enjoy this when vanessa starts to recount i suppose the past questionable exploits of the doctor who is consulting with her and with her family dr matthew Mm -hmm. benning where she starts talking about his past exploits in africa it seems like that was um a a fairly questionable time probably doing untold kind of nastiness to the local inhabitants Uh, and this is where um you know he immediately sort of gets her into the the different treatments that are so brutal Um, and you kind of then question his medical judgment is this so effectively shut her up because she is privy somehow to his his um sort of hidden past mm. uh through this possession yeah and this moves through back to her home with her mother um and you really then are are Left With No Doubt, when you think she's being visited by Sir Malcolm Murray, Mm -hmm. and then you get those dark, demonic pupils uh, that come in. You know, he isn't uh, as he appears to be. Um, And it's not Malcolm. It's I think she quotes him as the serpent. Mm. I think Timothy Dalton is absolutely excellent here um you know he he's talking about the sight beyond this world drawn to the that she is drawn to the deep ocean the dark whisper and that yes darkness was spoken um and vanessa listened to it um he and he he gives a nice reference to keats's ode to uh, the nightingale which effectively is about rejecting optimism and it explores the transience and mortality of 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 death, the experiences right. of death, and um, so you know it, it's very much about death, um, depression, all these negative elements about human existence leading to mortality, mm-hmm. uh, which I- is really interesting. What I read was that this idea of negative capability, where you you actually um, to achieve an artistic high and to progress the artistic nature of the work that you're doing so this was for keats you forget about the philosophical coherence of what it is that you're talking about so it can seem improbable or illogical and in a sense that's what they're saying about vanessa that's happening to her Mm -hmm. as well and she's going into this negative space Mm -hmm. and no one outside can understand what she's doing but there is some kind of she's touched by something
0: um uh, and she can't control it in that sense it's a really interesting one isn't it because at the time the things that are visited upon her i suppose at the benning clinic um they're things that would have been done if you felt that a pressure on the brain was causing a problem with your patient effectively so i'm not sure whether matthew benning is putting her through these individual things because of And what she says about him, he believes that the things she says about him come from her feeling that she's possessed. So she's going through the standard medical practices, but they are barbaric to our modern eyes. What's happening to her, they're absolutely barbaric. And it gives that whole sense that this is like an episode of uh, American Horror Story in a way. Yeah, definitely. It's that feeling that she has absolutely no control over what's happening to her. She's being passed from room to room by these people in the Benning Clinic. Um, giving her all of these treatments that they would give her. But she's a believer in the spiritual and the occult has possessed her effectively. So um they're not willing to accept that as any kind of explanation that, that this is happening. They just believe it's a pressure on her brain. So they're going through all of these processes. What, what I love is the end result of the whole thing because it hasn't cured her of anything because they're not treating what's actually happening to her. She is possessed here. You can't treat possession with these medical practices. What the end result of it is, her mother comes in and sees her absolutely being possessed and dies on the spot because she's seeing something that is absolutely impossible happening in front of her eyes. So that's the death of her mother. I, I love how that plays out because... There's nothing that her mother could have done. Her mother is, is very good uh, to her. She's trying to go through all the proper channels to solve this thing, this problem that she sees in her daughter. Um, but the one thing she didn't possibly envisage was what's happening to her is a possession and it needs to be dealt with by maybe an exorcism or by something within the occult that might have sorted this out for her daughter. But there's no option that her mother would ever have sought that and it ends in her death.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's really shocking that moment mm-hmm. where... Is she writhing because she's being possessed? Or I immediately felt because it precedes um, Malcolm Murray there, I'm realizing that he is this dark creature that is uh, about to possess her, that that it's a a, a sexual element. um, And so that there is, you know, a a lot of ghost effing effectively going on here, um, (laughs) which effectively shocks her mother to death in, yeah. in that sense. Yeah, potentially. Um, But certainly, yes, everything uh, leads to Vanessa's mother dying. And again, it's another point of contention mm-hmm. here uh, within her own family, but also with the Murrays. Yeah
0: like it's so sad you know she's left alone once again by you know it seems like her father is very standoffish about everything that's going on it's her mother that takes her to the doctor it's her mother that wants to hear all of the information the doctor has because she's the one trying to save her Her father doesn't seem to be very present at all in these situations and these discussions at all he's downstairs asleep isn't he after having too many drinks while her mother comes upstairs to visit her and leads peter into the house everything that's being done is through her mother so um so when she dies surely that's a massive loss for vanessa again Again, another very sad moment for her. Um, My major point for the episode is probably the other side of it, just because they deal with the early relationships of all of these characters that you've kind of heard about a lot. Um, You've heard about Mina multiple times and you've only seen her... um, in this present, I suppose, where she's been captured by the master and with the vampires. So seeing the three of them as young kids, uh, Mina, Vanessa and Peter, you mentioned the uh, the walk on the beach at the start where they're all quite innocent. But it even opens with that idea where Vanessa's is going, I think we should hop in the ocean and swim as far as we can possibly go. And Mina being scared about that, Mina, uh, not as adventurous as Vanessa. Yeah, um, And as well, we see Peter's also not as adventurous as Vanessa. So it kind of harkens to that idea that Vanessa is the daughter that Malcolm should have had. She's not just the daughter Malcolm should have had. She's the child that Malcolm should have had. She's more adventurous than Peter, and she's more conscious of the world than Mina. And she also has this dark side to her, which is what Malcolm deserves for all the horrible things he's done in the world. That's how he meant it as well. well. So she has all three of those pieces all together.
1: No, I I think... That kind of element uh, really comes out in the infidelity of Malcolm mm-hmm. with Mrs. Eves in in the maze as well. Uh, and then it's reflected with Vanessa having that infidelity of sorts with Mina's husband-to-be oh, yeah. because he they're getting married the the, the day after, but yep. Mina catches them. And that links part of this notion that Vanessa is a daughter that he deserved as well mm-hmm. because they are, in effect, doing the same thing, as you say – Malcolm's darkness is hidden away by the fact that he does this abroad. Yeah. Um. Whatever that may Except be to, <laughs> to to local um to the the local indigenous people that he where he's exploring um. Whereas Vanessa's is internal, in, yeah, a, in,
0: in a sense. But isn't Vanessa trying to punish Mina for finding someone almost? Um, she's found a kind of perfect life that's laid out in front of her and Vanessa's kind of hasn't gotten there and she tries to approach Peter to go to that life that they're supposed to have together, but Peter's having none of it. Um, so is it just her trying to punish Mina because Mina seems to be going down this perfect path because there's a darkness in Vanessa?
1: Yeah, I I think there's an element of that. I mean, I I think the great thing about this, this, Concept of the gate between the two houses and it being bookended by letters is that between all of this, what we really get is a massively complicated relationship between all these people, um, and in particular between Vanessa and Mina. Were yes, they are best friends, but at the same time, yeah. i In my notes, I kind of put there's an envy. Uh, she's jealous of yeah. Mina for getting um, the the captain a sense and about to get married and and her advances to peter um, you know she tries to kiss him and he he kind of recalls away uh, you know and peter's seen as weak yeah mina who as well vanessa may think of as weak compared to her mm-hmm. um, has gotten this um very sure of himself captain of the in the british army and mm-hmm. um, and so the, there is a jealousy there's an envy um as well as that they love one another and there is um a best friendship there between them yeah. it, it, it's so kind of complicated and these things actually happen and that's one of the things i loved about this is that all those things can be true at the same time, yeah. and it doesn't mean that they're not friends. Um, it, it's just it's very, very uh, complicated. And so, yes, I, I would definitely agree with you there as well. I think with Mrs. Ives and Malcolm, and then what happens with Captain Branson? That's just again another indicator of of this kind of reflection of Malcolm and yeah. uh, and Vanessa Ives, which. Yeah. I think it's just really, really uh
0: well-written. It's so good. It is, absolutely. And, and you know, we should absolutely mention here as well, it's a bit of a light touch in the show, and it's one of the things I don't really like about the show, It's but it's a standard at the time. There is a read on this that Vanessa is in love with Mina, and she's not jealous that Mina has found the perfect life for herself, that... Vanessa's jealous about being left behind by the woman that she loves effectively. Um, it's also read into this as well that Peter is spurning the advances of Vanessa because he's gay as well, and you're supposed to read that in as the audience. It's one of the things that i would never really enjoyed on TV over the last 10 years is where the audience has to make up their own mind whether the character is a gay character or a lesbian character. They put out these ideas, and you can make your choice as to whether Vanessa is just jealous of the fact that Mina's going to be living in this perfect future exactly as she planned. Captain Branson is a man with a moustache exactly as she wanted when she was 13 years old. That's who she's going to get married to. Is Vanessa jealous just because she has the perfect life and Vanessa doesn't think that she's going to get that? Or is Vanessa jealous because she's in love with Mina and feels that that's the end of that relationship? Um, The name of the episode is Closer Than Sisters. You know, could was it supposed to mean that these two were supposed to be partners or not? And it's left open for you in shows like this over the last 10 years We're finally getting shows where you do have characters who are absolutely lesbian characters in love with friends and those actual discussions are happening. But at this time, it feels like it's just left open. There's that rather read of it that potentially the reason why Peter is so weak as described by Vanessa and why he spurns her advances is because Peter's gay. Um, I don't like that it's just left open to the audience all the time. <laughs> that always seems to happen in these shows. Um, It's mentioned about the fact that when Peter goes off with his father, he's he's a weak boy trying to prove to his father that he's good enough for him. And the read on that could be that Peter's gay, but it's just not on screen. Yeah, absolutely, um, that's in there. But to back back to my main point from the episode, the. The piece, I feel, is used so well to show the differences between each of these three characters, between Mina and Vanessa and Peter, is they're dealing with taxidermy. All three of them are involved in taxidermy, something that none of us practice now. We have TV and video games now instead. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I like that, you know, it's described that Mina deals with the basic. Mina deals with just the normal stuff, stuffing squirrels and normal things that are going on around the garden. Peter is constantly critical of his own work, regardless of vanessa saying that it's really good work he keeps feeling that he's not as good as making things feel alive or not as good at what you're supposed to accomplish he's trying to judge himself against how everybody else does taxidermy whereas you see from vanessa she does it as an art form she wants to make sure they look as alive as possible that beautiful and i'm not a big fan of taxidermy but that beautiful stuffed uh eagle that she has that that that's in flight, in motion, where she's put some mirrors behind the eyes to give it that alive feeling. But also, it's kind of a form of magic to her. She says, you must give it a name, because only when something is given a name, can it be alive. So that is her basic form of magic as well. So all three of these characters are quite exemplified, I suppose, within this taxidermy analogy uh, being used in all of them. So I think that's quite interesting. And I I do like that um, Vanessa uses that to put down Mina before she sleeps with her future husband, uh, Captain Branson. She kind of says, she just deals in the basic, here's my stuff kind of thing. So, uh, so I like that. And just one other thing on the text in mean, the mirrors in the eyes, you know, that the phrase, the eyes are the mirror of one's soul. Um, it's interesting that Vanessa's putting mirrors inside the eyes of these creatures to make them look alive because then it's reflecting you back into yourself when you're looking in the eyes so is she seeing their life inside these stuffed birds as her own life inside of herself you know it's just it's it's a fascinating kind of piece if you're doing a flashback and putting in all of these pieces you said earlier on it makes it feel so alive and so vibrant these this flashback uh, feels so urgent um and is that that's because it's so well detailed i suppose yeah definitely those are the main points on episode five any any other notes that you have on the episode john
1: the only one I have is Gladys Murray, uh, Sir Malcolm's wife. Um, and it kind of comes to the point of, uh, the relationship between Mina, Vanessa and Peter, but it's, it's the relationship of, of Malcolm with, you know, his wife. Very formal relationship. Um, almost as though he's not happy to be back from his travels. You know, Peter is absolutely enthusiastic for his dad returning. Uh, but, uh, you know, because his son, son, seemingly wants to be an explorer to please his dad, but it seems as though Malcolm is distant with him. Yeah. And his his most loving hug um, and connection on return from Africa back to his home is with his daughter Mina and Vanessa, where he hugs them together as one. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, really interesting in, in terms of that idea of these are his two daughters yeah. and which is the one that he deserves, Mina or Vanessa.
0: And I, I like to point out that it's, it's almost an equal hug between the two of them. You know, it doesn't seem to treat them as a separate entity almost. Um Peter comes along to him and is like really excited to see him home. And he kind of says, hi, son, there you go. There's your gift. And then walks off and gives a hug to both girls. Um And it feels like he doesn't really care about Peter. Um I don't think he even looks at Peter for the rest of that scene. If I remember rightly, he, is talking to the two, talking to the young girls, giving them a hug, and then sees his wife come into the room. Um, and as she cries, as he arrives home, cries with joy, I presume that, that he's back and safe and sound and not lost a leg in Africa this time, you know. Um, and he just goes, "We'll have none of that. Uh, stop it," kind of thing to his yeah. wife. He doesn't care at all about her feelings. It's that's not the way we have a relationship. Yeah.
1: Kind of and it's a formal peck on a cheek. Yeah. yet you know. A few moments later, after the big welcome home meal with his neighbors from the Ives household, Mm -hmm. he's uh, in the maze having a bit of nookie nookie, (laughs) um, you know, hot sexual
0: nookie nookie with uh, Vanessa's mother. Exactly. Exactly. And one other thing I just wanted to comment on uh, in here, I know it sounds weird, but the de-aging of Timothy Dalton in this episode and I didn't notice it for the first four episodes, but he's looked older in the four episodes than I think of Timothy Dalton in the first four episodes. And in the fifth episode here, as it's supposed to be, you know, 20 years beforehand, he genuinely looks the way I expect Timothy Dalton to look. So I don't know whether they aged him up for the first four episodes and then cut his hair differently and dyed a bit more of the grey out for the fifth episode. And he had a
1: tan as well. he had a bit of a
0: tan. But I don't know whether it's just that they did or whether they've done a really good job and some kind of CGI on him or uh, some kind of work uh, with with makeup work to make him look younger. But he generally looks more vibrant and younger in the fifth episode than he did in the other four, if that makes sense. I just thought it was an interesting touch that they did. I also want to call out Vanessa's mother, uh, Mrs. Ive, played by Anna Chancellor. The reason why I want to call her out is because she played Frances Gaunt on Pennyworth which we talked about last year does she only go for shows with penny in it is that the way I guess? maybe <laughs> but she's a great actress really likes seeing her on screen and i do think her scenes with vanessa and her death scene i suppose are, are, are quite integral to the story so uh, really good to have a, a great actress in there like Anna chancellor
1: yeah it was great to see her in uh in this episode mm-hmm. good to see her uh, around the table feasting the feasting in the maze uh, and then <laughs> Ultimately, uh, dining out to death after um, seeing her daughter in a very uncompromising position mm-hmm. uh, on the bed with a ghost, well, effectively, yeah. that she
0: couldn't see. Yeah. No wonder she died. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's it for our episode five discussion. If you want to send in any thoughts about Penny Dreadful, make sure you send in Penny for your thoughts to feedback at TV Podcast Industries. We'd love to hear any thoughts that you have on Penny Dreadful. We know there's 27 episodes to go and we know um, you may not get through them as quickly as we're getting through them, but we'd love to hear your thoughts about, uh, about Penny Dreadful. That's it for our episode five discussion. We'll be back later on this week with our discussion about episode six. Here's a little message from Into the Night, the Moonlight podcast. Hi, I'm one of the High Priests of Conchu
1: Ray, and I have the sacred privilege of providing you, the loony listener, with a podcast honouring Marvel's very own Moon Knight. So join me and a host of others at Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or support the show by becoming a Patreon member. Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. It's time to get your Conchu on.